this series has been a blessing to you so far. In this session, I want to talk to you about communication, and I want to start out with a passage of Scripture in Proverbs 18, verses 21. It says this, it says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. And boy, isn't that the truth for our marriages? Communication inside of marriage can be so difficult. It can be so tough. You're sitting at home right now and you're saying, amen, preacher. In fact, I heard this joke one time. It went like this. It says, a man said to his wife one day, I don't know how you could be so stupid and so beautiful at the same time. And the wife replied, allow me to explain. God made me beautiful so that you would be a attracted to me and God made me stupid so that I would be attracted to you. Ouch. Like that is not how you communicate with your spouse. And yet that's how a lot of us kind of talk to each other. We constantly take jabs at each other. Every married couple knows that communication can be very tricky inside of their marriage. When I was preparing for this session, uh, I really wanted to start and give you guys something like the seven steps to great communication. The problem is that there's not a lot of information on there on how to communicate communicate well. If you start doing some research online or in books, there's not a lot of information on how to do this thing called communication right between a husband and wife. In fact, most of the information that you'll find when it comes to communication is actually about resolving conflict inside of a marriage. If you do a a quick Google research, you will see that, that most marriage communication articles and books written are about resolving conflict or working through conflict. it seems like everything written about communication and marriage is this based upon the idea that we are not good at communicating, therefore we need to be good at resolving conflict. And I find this really fascinating. And I started thinking, why is that? Why is, is all the material written, written about communication and marriage about resolving conflict? And here's what I've come up with. Because we're bad at communicating. Very insightful, I know. But the truth is, a lot of us in marriage struggle and have a difficult time communicating to our spouse, which brings a lot of conflict that we have to work through. So why is this 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 idea of communicating so tricky? Well, Mark Rutland, perhaps one of the smartest men on the planet, came up with the best explanation, the best definition of communication I've ever heard. He said this, effective communication is the right message to the right party in the right way at the right time. That's why communication inside of our marriage is difficult. That's why, gentlemen, when you tell your lovely bride that she's acting like her mother, that might be the right message, but it is not the right message in the right way. That's why, ladies, you get frustrated at your husband when you're trying to tell him about the amazing deal you found at the mall, but he isn't listening to you because he's watching the football game. You might have the right message and it might be to the right person, but it's at the wrong time because he's preoccupied in what he's doing. I know that this has happened to myself and Charity on countless times. Right after we were first married, Charity had a very difficult day at work. She came home. She was crying. Her eyes were puffy. The makeup was running. Uh, The problem was we were going to go to a concert that evening with a a bunch of people from the church. And so Charity's telling me, I don't want to go. I look horrible. I I, I just don't want to do this. And I had really good intentions. I was trying to uh, help her out, but I communicated very poorly in that moment. I said, honey, don't worry about how you look. It's going to be dark inside the concert room. 
ouch, that's the wrong thing to say in the moment. I had good intentions. I was trying to help her feel better. Like, don't worry about it. But obviously I communicated really poorly in that moment. Effective communication is the right message to the right party in the right time in the right way. And what you notice is, is that there is a lot that has to be right for the communication to be effective. So when you throw into the mix two flawed human beings in this thing called marriage, we obviously have a recipe for a communication disaster. And to complicate this matter even more, there are no universal steps of communication to guarantee that you're not going to have a problem. Therefore, the right message might be in the right way at the right time for you, but it's different for your spouse. And that equation can change from day to day. You might know how to communicate very well to your spouse today, but because of how life changes all of us, maybe tomorrow, how you're communicating today is going to be ineffective. So as you change and as your spouse change, the the communication pathway is also constantly changing. And so there's no way to always guarantee that all of these rights are going to be met every time you and your spouse start to communicate. Sooner or later, there's always going to be problems because everyone communicates at different ways at different times. That's why you and your spouse start to argue and bicker over the dumbest things. Sometimes Charity and I will be arguing and bickering with one another. And I'm like, how did we even get into this argument to begin with? And you start to realize and you start to play backwards the argument and you're arguing over something as stupid as someone forgot to put toast in the toaster. True story. That happened one time to us. So we have to come to grips with this truth. There are going to be communication breakdowns in our marriage. Therefore, there is always going to be conflict. Now, I want you to catch this. Conflict in our culture is always viewed as a negative thing because people believe that conflict inside of their marriage is a sign of incompatibility. And I would actually argue that conflict, when handled properly, is actually a pathway to compatibility. I believe that conflict in marriage is actually a good thing when it brings resolution and improves the marriage and when it brings the couple closer together. So how do we get there? If there's going to be a communication breakdown sooner or later in our marriage and it's going to lead us to conflict, how do we make sure that conflict actually leads us to a healthier marriage? How do we have healthy conflict? Well, here's the key to healthy conflict. Healthy conflict in marriage is about having the right mindset. We are fighting for each other. We are not fighting against each other. And there's a massive difference. When you fight for you, your spouse becomes the enemy. But when you're fighting for your spouse, the issue becomes the enemy and not the person. So with that in mind, when communication starts to break down, when we do not say the right message at the right time in the right way and conflict comes, how do we approach that? And I want to share with you some rules of engagement to create this healthy mindset in the middle of your conflict. These rules of engagement so that you have healthy conflict inside of your marriage. Rule number one. You need to know the enemy and you need to know yourself. Sun Tzu is a famous military strategist who wrote The Art of War. It's perhaps one of the best written pieces of literature and military strategy. And you should absolutely read it because it's small and there's just tons of wisdom that you can apply to any area of your life in those pages. But Sun Tzu said this inside of that inside of that book. He said, if you know the enemy and you know yourself, you need not fear the result of a 100 battles. 
and here's what Sun Tzu is saying. You better know yourself. You better know your strengths. You better know your weaknesses. And you better know the strengths and the weaknesses of your enemy. Because if you know your enemy and you know yourself, you're not going to ever lose the battle because you're going to know how to fight in the middle of that war. And that's really good advice if you're fighting an enemy on a battlefield. But this is terrible advice for our marriages. However, here's what I know. Husbands and wives are really, really, really good at this strategy. They're really good at knowing the enemy enemy and knowing themselves. And here's what happens. Husbands and wives live together every single day and every day they are learning more and more about their spouse. And this is wonderful. And this is beautiful. And this is what helps us to grow and and grow closer together in intimacy uh, because we start to learn what our spouses love and we learn what they hate. You learn their preferences and their desires in life and you start to build intimacy with one another. Your spouse becomes the person that you know better than anyone else. And maybe you even know your spouse better than you know yourself. This is a beautiful thing until you have conflict. Because here's what happens. You know your spouse so well that when you start to get into an argument with them, you start to pick at their weaknesses. You know every single one of their weaknesses and you know every single one of your strengths. And what will happen is in the middle of a conflict, you will use and leverage your strengths against your spouse's weakness. I want to get real transparent for a second. I I have been very guilty of this very early on in my marriage with Charity. I caught myself in this several years ago. Um, I'm not a person uh, who, who likes conflict necessarily. I don't mind addressing it. But what I am really good at, one of my strengths is I'm extremely analytical and calculated. And so I'm always trying to figure things out. I'm always trying to get the upper edge. And, and Charity is the exact opposite. Her, her mind doesn't work that way. She doesn't like thinking and overthinking different situations. Uh, when conflict comes, her default is to actually withdraw. And so what I found myself doing is, is I'm really good at arguing. I'm really good at debating uh, with her. And honestly, I don't mind approaching conflict. And so when conflict started to come in, into our marriage, I would use my strengths against her weakness. And frankly, sometimes I would talk her into feeling guilty about things that she shouldn't feel guilty about. That was, that was my fault. Why? Because I was using my strength against her weakness. Conversely, she knew that I hated when she withdrew. So when conflict started to come, she would just withdraw. So it drove me nuts. She was using her strength against my weakness. And that's what happens in a lot of our marriages. Our natural default setting as human beings is we always want to win. And so when conflict comes, a lot of times what we're doing is we know ourselves very well. We know our spouse very well. And without us even realizing it, we are leveraging our strengths against their weaknesses to beat our spouse down so that we win the conflict. But that's not what healthy conflict in marriage is about. It's not about winning. It's about resolution and restoration inside of the marriage. And so if you're attacking your spouse's weaknesses, you are never going to bring resolution and uh, resolve to that situation. So you need to be very careful of that. You need to set that as a rule. Rule number two is this. You need to ask the question, is this the hill I want to die on? I'm sure you're like me where you've been arguing with your spouse and halfway through the argument, you you caught yourself saying, why in the world are we arguing over this issue? This is just not worth it. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I know I found myself there many times uh, we were in an argument and I would say this is just not worth the emotional stress of that argument. I want to read to you first Corinthians chapter six, starting verse number seven. Paul's writing and he says this. 
To have lawsuits at all with one another is already a defeat for you. Why not suffer wrong? Why not rather be defrauded? Paul has given us some wisdom here, and I believe it applies even to our marriage. Apparently in the Corinthian church, the believers had disputes from time to time. And what would end up happening is they would take each other to court and Paul's shaming them. He's saying the fact that you guys are fighting to the point that you are going to court with each other means that you have already lost. And I think that same truth applies for our marriages. Sometimes we allow ourselves to fight beyond what it really is worth. And it would be better for us just to be wronged or to be defrauded. Now, I say this expression to my leadership team in a charity all the time. Whenever a crisis arises and it's petty and it's not eternal, I'll tell them, this is not a hill that I want to die on. And what I mean by that is the cost of fighting for this piece of ground is going to be very costly, costly, and it's going to be more damaging than the reward is worth. And if you know me, you know that conflict doesn't scare me. But what I have learned over the years is that there's no reason to run into every fight possible that you can get sucked into. And the truth is our marriages, we allow ourselves to get into conflict that is not worth the emotional cost. We allow ourselves to get worked up over the most uneternal and immaterial things uh, that are not going to matter in a week, let alone in 20 years. And so we fight, we argue, and we wound our spouse over things that do not matter. Why? Because we just want to be right. And that is not worth it. It would be better to be wronged. It would be better to be defrauded in those moments than to wound our spouse. I remember reading about a couple who had been married for something like 70 years, and they sat down with this couple and they asked for advice on marriage. And they asked the wife, what, what's the secret to your happiness? And she said, well, when Harry and I were going to get married, I determined to write down the 10 things that irritated me the most about him beforehand that I knew that he did, that he was going to continue to do. And I chose and decided that I was going to forgive those 10 things before he ever did them. The problem is I never got around to writing that list. My, my wedding day got very busy and I forgot to write the list. So as we were going on in our marriage, whenever Harry did something that irritated me, I would say, thank you, Jesus, that that is on the list of 10 that he is already forgiven for. And I thought that was just a great piece of advice because Proverbs twelve sixteen says this, a fool is quick tempered, but a wise person stays calm when insulted. There's so much wisdom in that truth because we allow ourselves to be defeated in our marriages over the littlest things, and we allow the littlest things to come between us and our spouse, and we fight for hills that just are not worth it. Now, I don't want to downplay this because, on the other hand, there are some hills that are worth fighting for. There are certain issues in your marriage that you need to bring resolution to, that you need to, br to bring some restoration to those issues. And you do need to have conflict. You do need to communicate with your spouse. You do need to work through those issues in those areas because if they're not dealt with, they're going to lead to bigger problems down the road. But not every little thing is worth fighting for. The the third rule in conflict resolution inside of our marriage is this. You need to fight fair. You need to fight fair. Conflict in marriage is going to happen. So we need to be wise enough to establish a healthy battlefield. I believe one of the most important boundaries that you can set up in your marriage is the rules of how you're going to fight. You're, you need to have a Geneva convention, if you will, in your marriage, because at the most raw times in our emotions, we tend to wound those who we are closest to. 
I remember when I was in high school, I had a Sunday school teacher who was talking about having healthy dating relationships. And this is going to sound a little bit extreme, but I believe what he said was true. He told us, he said, look, whenever you get into a loving relationship with someone else, you are handing them a spiritual and an emotional gun pointed at your head at any time they can pull the trigger and seriously wound you. And that sounds very extreme, but we know that to be true because the ones who are closest to us can cut us the deepest. And we have to acknowledge this potential that the closest person in our life is our husband and our wives. And if we're not careful and we don't have healthy boundaries of conflict, we can deeply wound each other, even if we don't mean to. So some basic boundaries that Charity and I have followed. These are just lines we said we are not going to cross that I believe anybody can apply to their marriages. Obviously, there is no physical abuse. Whenever conflict comes, there is zero physical abuse. That is a that is a boundary that will not be crossed. There is there are no name calling. Whenever there's conflict, we do not call each other names. You you don't don't lower yourself to that form. Whenever there's conflict, we do not use threats or ultimatums. Why? Because threats and ultimatums are the weakest form of manipulation. And we're not having conflict to have manipulation. We're having conflict to bring rest resolution and rest Restoration. And if you're trying to manipulate your spouse, you're not doing that. We never say the D word. Divorce is not a word that is used in our house. We always fight for resolution. We're, we're not here to try to win. We're trying to have resolution. We, we don't bring up the past. When something's resolved, it's in the past, and we don't use it as ammunition for the future. We, we don't argue in front of Knox. That's not something that we want to do. Why? Because he doesn't need to see us in that. And we do not tell our families about conflict that we have. Why? Because we will forgive each other quicker than our families will forgive ourselves spouse. Now, just another area, another boundary that Charity and I personally have is this, is we don't allow ourselves to walk out in the middle of an argument. For me, this is a deal breaker. Now, for you and your spouse, it might be different. Maybe you guys need to call a timeout and cool down. But for me and for Charity, that's something that we, we chose not to, to live with. We are going to stay and we're going to work out the situation right there in the moment until it's taken care of. Here's the point. Establish whatever boundaries you need to establish not to wound your spouse. The fourth rule of engagement for conflict resolution is this. Establish how you are going to communicate within the conflict. I, I have another joke for you that I'm going to use as an illustration. The joke goes like this. I asked my wife, where do you want to go for our anniversary? It warmed my heart to see her face melt with sweet anticipation. She said somewhere that we haven't been in a long time. And so I suggested, how about the kitchen? And that's when the fight started. I don't know about you, but that would bring on a fight in my house. And let's pretend for the sake of argument that you just suggested that to your spouse and the fight is on in your household. What should you do? We've established to this point that you need to know yourself so that you don't take advantage of your spouse's weakness. We have established that there are a lot of things in your marriage that are not worth arguing about. We've also established that we need to have boundaries in our conflict so we don't wound each other. Now we need to talk about the specific specific communication boundaries that are actually going to help us to resolve the problem. Because remember, that's what this is about is bringing resolution. 
What are some things that can help you communicate to your spouse to bring resolution? Let's pretend you just suggested to your wife that she goes to the kitchen on your anniversary. What do you need to do? You need to remember a few things in the middle of this argument. All right. You need to remember that the course of the conflict is not set by the person who initiates the conflict, but by the one who responds. I want to say that again because I want you to think about that. This is very important. Remember, the course of the conflict is not set by the one who initiates the conflict, but by the one who responds. Your spouse might be having a bad day and they popped off to you. The conflict hasn't started unless you engage. The course of that conflict is always determined by the person who responds. Jesus taught us this beautifully in Scripture. You will read account after account in Scripture where the religious leaders would come to Jesus and they would try to trap Jesus in his words. They would try to drag him into arguments, but he never allowed himself to get sucked into those arguments because he would always choose to respond. You have to make a split second decision when your spouse pops off to you. Will I respond or will I react? When I react to my spouse, I'm I'm making decisions based upon my emotions in the moment. And in the moment now I'm irritated. But when I choose to respond, I take my spouse into account. I think logically and I say, maybe my spouse has had a bad day. Maybe I need to be gentle in this moment to figure out what's going on. You need to remember that a tender touch makes it difficult to use harsh words. When I was doing research for this session, uh, I came across a gentleman who said this and it made so much sense to me. He, he was writing an article and he said that he, him and his wife discovered very early on in their marriage that when they began to argue, if they touched tenderly somehow, that it was very difficult then to use harsh words with each other. And so they have a rule in their house that when they start to argue that they will go, they will sit on the couch, he will sit down first, and then she will lay down and put her feet on his lap. And just that little bit of their touching makes it difficult for them to use harsh words with each other. Perhaps that's something you needed to use in your house whenever you're communicating in the conflict. Remember to learn to be slow to speak and quick to listen so that you can actually hear your spouse. James 1.19 says, understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. We forget that healthy, com, uh, healthy communication is a two-way road where we're listening at least half of the time. And when you're listening, you actually need to be listening to learn, not listening to respond. That's what a lot of us do when we're in the middle of the conflict and we're communicating in the conflict. We're just listening so that we can figure out our response in order to win. What we need to be doing is being slow to speak, quick to listen so that we can learn, so we can understand why we're even in this situation to begin with. And we can bring resolution quickly. Remember to ask yourself, is God honored in this conflict and is my spouse honored in this conflict? Because even in the middle of your argument between you and your spouse, God can be honored and should be honored and your spouse can be honored and should be honored. If they're not honored, then you need to raise the level of your communication. 
Remember to let your words be covered in grace. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your conversation be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. In the midst of your conflict, your words need to be full of grace towards your spouse. You need to season your words with salt. Salt cures food and keeps it from spoiling. So we should not be using rotten words towards our spouse. We need to speak with grace and love towards them. Remember to speak words that build Build up and do not tear down your spouse. Ephesians 4.29. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And I think this is a very legitimate question we need to ask ourselves in the middle of our conflict. Is my spouse better off after I have talked to them? Have I built them and our marriage up in the middle of our conflict? Now, that might sound like two mutually exclusive ideas, but I don't believe that they are. I believe even in the middle of your conflict with your spouse that you can build up your spouse, you can encourage your spouse, and that you can have wholesome words come out of your spouse that it's going to build the marriage. I want to close with this last rule for conflict. And this rule is very simple. Slay the giant. The fifth rule we need to remember in conflict resolution is slay the giant. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27 says this. And and do not sin by letting anger control you. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Some of you are thinking, yeah, that was written by an unmarried man. But hear me, committing to each other to resolve the conflict quickly is one of the healthiest things that you can do in your marriage. It's one of the greatest gifts that you can give one another. Dealing with conflict quickly shows a sign of commitment in your marriage and to your spouse. I had a friend, Darren Woodard, who said this one time. He says, if I just roll over at night, it shows that I don't care. One thing Charity and I have discovered is that when we pray together, it's very difficult to stay angry at each other. And so we have a, a routine at night. Every night we say a little prayer with each other before we go to sleep. And it is so difficult to pray to God when you're angry at your spouse. And maybe that's something you should try because it forces you to bring resolution to that conflict quickly. I don't believe that this verse means that we need to get every single detail resolved before we go to sleep. But what it does mean is that you need to express in a healthy way your intent to love and be there for one another. And when you make that commitment, you are slaying the giant quickly. And you're learning and you're saying, look, our marriage is going to be free from the worry that this this tension, this conflict is going to drag on for a long time. I'm not going to wound you. We're going to resolve this because I'm committed to you. Learn the power of saying, I am sorry, and learn the power of saying, I forgive you. That's what we really have to do if we want to slay the giant. The two things I've always appreciated about Cherry the most are this, is that she always tries to improve. So whenever we have conflict, she always tries to learn and improve from that. And I also know that she's never going to leave. I know she's committed because every time we've ever gotten into conflict, she's shown me those two things. One of the most humbling things my wife has ever told me in our marriage is this. Several years ago, our pastor uh, had preached on marriage and we were back at home in the kitchen making lunch after church. And she said to me, one of the things I appreciate about you the most is that you're willing to quickly say that you're sorry. 
And that, that really meant a lot to me because it's something I do try to do uh, for my wife and she tries to reciprocate that to me. We are far from having a perfect marriage as almost anybody would say. But one thing I have discovered is this, that when you fight for each other, that brings a stability to your relationship. It fosters trust and love even in the middle of conflict. Now, listen, I don't know where you're at. When I started talking about communication at the beginning of this, I said there has to be the right message at the right time in the right way to the right person. And maybe that's been difficult in your house lately. Maybe there's been a lot of conflict. Maybe there's been a lot of arguing, a lot of bickering. It's never been anything big. It's never been, quote unquote, deal breakers, but it's added some stress to the marriage. It's added some stress to your life. I want you to know that it's okay. Conflict is bound to happen because communication in your marriage is going to be difficult and there's going to be those seasons. It's okay. But maybe by applying one of these rules of engagement or maybe by applying all these rules of engagement to your marriage, maybe the communication can get better and maybe the conflict can actually improve your marriage. Maybe the conflict can make you two better together. Maybe the conflict can teach you to fight for each other instead of against each other. And it brings you closer together. I hope this has been a help to you. I'm so excited to continue to bring you the rest of this material. God bless. See you soon. 